0: So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours.
1: The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.g-o-m-i-n-n-o.com.
0: We are glad to be back with you guys today and we're really excited that we're kind of easing back into season three, which is going to release after the holidays and tell them what it's about.
1: Intentional parenting.
0: Intentional parenting and we are super excited about that. In the meantime, we felt like With the holidays coming up, it would be great to talk about some things like Thanksgiving and the entitlement that can lurk in during the holidays and Christmas. So we're going to be having a few episodes in the next few weeks. But in this day and time, it really felt like we couldn't have a podcast between the three of us and not talk about mental health right now and what's going on with kids and families as a result of covid because we're just seeing the effects of it daily, I think, in our counseling offices. And so we're going to talk about it in a lot of different ways, and we're going to do what we've been doing every episode of giving you some intentional practices, even in the midst of COVID. But before we do, David, tell me one thing that you started doing during the pandemic that you hadn't done much before.
1: Do I have to confess (laughs) this? (laughs) This is not going to fall under the category of intentional practices that we'll be discussing a little bit later on. might
0: fall under self-care or something.
1: Maybe. (laughs) Even that would be a stretch. There's a breakfast taco place that opened down the street from me. It's within walking distance of my house, and it opened during COVID. It's felt like the greatest gift that's happened during a global pandemic. Now, I did mention I have to walk there, so I'm walking there and walking home. So there is some exercise involved in the process, but I don't know that it's countering the amount of breakfast tacos that I'm (laughs) consuming, But what does feel great about it is I've loved that it's been this new, exciting thing that our whole neighborhood has gotten behind in a great way when I think we're just all so hungry to feel hope and support each other in these hard times. And so that's just been fun that we're all standing out there, mask up, waiting on our breakfast tacos together, thinking this is a little bit of goodness in the middle of a hard thing.
0: And there's some great tacos, too. There are
1: amazing tacos, you just need to
0: say the name of it?
1: Yes. So if you are living in Nashville or visiting Nashville, make your way to 12 South and try out Lady Bird Tacos. They are an Austin-based group of guys who came together and have brought a little magic to the city of Nashville, Tennessee, and some outstanding breakfast tacos. I couldn't recommend them highly enough.
0: And I think that totally qualifies as self-care, walking Tacos and walking. That's thank, awesome.
1: Thank you for turning that into a healthy Absolutely. practice. Absolutely.
0: And you probably listen to a helpful podcast at some point. Along I do the way. that. I mm-hmm. do that. What about you? Well, we both turned 50 during the pandemic and did my, you need to tell I'm that? Sorry. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs>
1: Can we edit that out? <laughs>
0: Mine was during stay-at-home orders here, and I had all these beautiful plans for my 50th year. One was going to Africa on a safari. There were a lot of really exciting things coming, all of which obviously didn't happen. And so I decided it was time to get myself a 50th birthday present, and I have— Y'all have heard me talk about her potentially on seasons before, but I have a sister who's 16 years younger than I am. She's my only sister. And she has a little fella who is about to turn two named Henry. And so I was spending as much time as I could with Kathleen and her husband, Aaron and Henry. And so I thought it would be really fun to buy a golf cart because I live about three blocks from them. And so I bought a golf cart. I could drive back and forth, and we could go on rides every afternoon, and it was just a blast. And same thing, to be outside and see people and get to know people. I never thought a golf cart would be self-care, but it was absolutely self-care for
1: me. I love that. And you didn't get to go on the safari, but you're on a golf cart, and toddler-age boys are kind of like <laughs> zoo animals. So there's, oh, a li- there's some of those elements coming together in that experience.
0: That is experience. So true. But I think I want to start off, reminding you because you were experiencing it, but telling you a little bit about what we were seeing in our counseling offices at the beginning of this pandemic. And, you know, moving into the pandemic, I wrote Raising Worry-Free Girls, Braver, Stronger, Smarter, that came out about a year ago. And so I did all this research on anxiety. And one of the things I found was at the time, so we're talking pre-pandemic, anxiety was affecting one in four kids with girls twice as likely to deal with it as boys that was before this even started. And the average age of onset was eight a few years ago. It's now starting to drop to six. And so it is rampant among kids. And we were seeing kids coming in just in droves dealing with anxiety. And it was so fascinating because as we all went home, and we did at Daystar 2, and our counseling went remote, and we were Zoom counseling. And I was so surprised at the amount of kids, and young girls particularly, I would say under about the age of 11, that were coming to see me because of anxiety. And they would pop onto the screen with a stuffed animal under one arm, their journal in the other, and say, hi. And they were so excited to be on Zoom. They were so excited to be home. And they were loving this extended time with you. They were loving, going on walks with their dad, playing games with their whole family, baking with their moms. There just was so much. I was hearing like that. And I would imagine you were hearing, what were boys saying at the time?
1: With boys, I think in the beginning, it felt like an extended Christmas vacation or a longer summer break. They were so excited to come home. They I heard from so many boys how much they loved sleeping in and staying in their pajamas and being outside more. And Then at some point, and we'll talk a little more about this in the episode, that turned into something that wasn't so great. Because I talk about how boys have a love-hate relationship with structure. They crave it and despise it.
0: I thought you were going to say with screens. That too.
1: (laughs) We'll talk about that in a minute also. But that lack of structure, particularly as schools were working to figure out their remote learning plan, there just was a lag, a period of time, and that lack of structure really did, I think, work against a lot of boys. And I was talking with families about epic meltdowns and spending too much time on screens and just a lot of places where I started to see boys begin to struggle in a number of ways.
0: It definitely shifted. I think the adolescents probably both of us saw were struggling more in the beginning than the younger ones because of that sense of loneliness. They just crave peer relationships. We talk so much about that, about how... Kids, when they're younger, our voices are really the loudest in their lives. And as they get towards adolescence, it becomes the voices of their peers. And so I think they were craving that sense of connection.
1: We are so thrilled to be partnering with our friends at Minnow to bring back the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. We all know that devices are here to stay. So if you want to make screen time meaningful for your kids, Minnow is for you a new streaming service designed just for kids. Minnow has over 2,000 episodes of fun and faith-filled shows that have been carefully curated by moms, dads, and church leaders, so it's safe for your family. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.goM-I-N-N-O.com to start your free trial.
0: I think the two things that we would say really have been such a problem have been, at this point, the loneliness. And it's not just the teenagers anymore. It's younger kids, too, that I think are really struggling from that sense of loneliness and the unpredictability. Like you said, I mean, I think— that structure helps boys thrive in a lot of ways but it also structure helps kids who are anxious and the lack of structure and the unpredictability both so are we going back to school when are we going back to school we went back to school now we're not back to school you know there's just that sense of they just don't know what's happening and and even their schedules when they're at home are unpredictable to some degree and and unpredictability really is a breeding ground for anxiety and so i think we are seeing the numbers on both of those things rise and so many more kids talk about suicide than we were seeing previous. And so I think that has all shifted. And now even the statistics, and David, you can speak to some of that, Have I think they're showing evidence of what we're seeing on a daily basis in our office too.
1: Yes. And I feel like it's almost daily that there's some new content that surfaces in the news about the newest statistics. And I read an article on NPR recently. I came across this study called the Student Resilience Survey that was done on the front side of COVID, and it's really interesting, heartbreaking, and also interesting to read their findings. This study basically was done between April and June of 2020, so that's the front side of COVID. That was the quarantine stretch, and basically, they were trying to identify these persistent trends of anxiety and depression among adolescents, and... Through their findings, actually, they surveyed over 15,000 kids at 54 different schools across the United States, and there were three key variables that predicted depression and anxiety in that stretch that kids were reporting, and it was low parent relationship quality, mm. which I feel like speaks to so much of what Melissa talked about in the introduction of just how important connection and relationship are, and the fact that those findings revealed that first, I think, just confirms that. The second was low structure of days, which is exactly what you're speaking to, and, and all the ways that I heard parents reporting that. In fact, I mentioned the extended Christmas vacation. I had a mom say a version of that, too. She said, I can remember hitting a point about week three, and she said it felt almost identical to what our feel at the end of Christmas vacation every year, like it's so fun. And we've been sleeping in and staying in our PJs and baking a lot and playing board games. And then I hit this point where it's like, I want the tree down and we need to drink some green smoothies around this house. (laughs) Like We just start craving healthy things like healthy foods, healthy practices, healthy bedtime, healthy waking up. And I think every family started to experience that in their own way alongside the acknowledgement that this isn't going to end. I don't know if you remember that. I can vividly remember that feeling of thinking, wow, this might go on for four to six weeks. <laughs> yes. Never in a million years thinking, this might go on for four mm-hmm. to six months right. or longer. Right. And and so I think all of our collective absorbing that and then figuring out, okay, if this is going to continue, how do we create more structure? And mm. so it's no surprise that that was the second finding. And the third was high distraction, which is obviously connected to technology. And I don't know that I've sat with a family throughout this whole process who has not in some moment the parents said to me, they've been on a screen way too much, you know, or I had to hand them the iPad just so that I could do my job so that I didn't lose my job, you know, and where I think every parent felt desperate that Screens were becoming babysitters in different moments because they were trying to work from home and where obviously kids needed to be on a device to do remote learning and the combination of all those things, meaning that kids have spent way too much time on a screen. And it was interesting. You talked about what it was like for us at Daystar as a practice to move to telehealth. And we as a staff talked about what we all felt like as we were sitting in front of a screen all day and how all of those things we talk about when we teach classes on technology. I was experiencing, like, I could feel something different happening in my brain and my body. I needed
0: counseling myself at the end of counseling. I know. <laughs> Every I was in such a bad mood. I know. Yes. And
1: I was thinking, we have all the yes. resources of adults. How right. much more this is impacting so kids much. and teenagers who are camped out in front of a screen. And so none of those findings were surprising. I think all of those findings are important, even as we think about taking steps forward and how we navigate that. And we mentioned in the first episode that we want to move toward at the end of every episode, some intentional practices. And Sissy, why don't you start us out? Talk about some of the ways we could continue to be intentional in this time.
0: Well, the first thing I would say would be in light of exactly what we're talking about is we've talked so much about unpredictability and the loneliness. And so to flip those around, I think as much as we can do to create structure for kids, to create even predictability, I've had a lot of kids doing something where they're drawing a circle and they talk about what they can control and what they can't outside of that, but to help them with what it looks like to feel like things are predictable. They know what's coming. They're some degree of control over their lives and even in their schedules and coming up with, you know, if you are in stay-at-home, set out a schedule and put it on a whiteboard in their room because I think even that visually is so helpful for kids, especially boys, as you would say. They need all the visuals they can get. And so to have some things like that that are really predictable. And then every Saturday you go see their grandparents and you stand in the yard and you wave or whatever it is that they have things not only that they know that are coming, but I think also that they're looking forward to in light of depression rates rising. And then with the loneliness, I think that idea of connection is so important. And I met with a family just recently who I think the parents were so disappointed with how lonely their daughter felt because they felt like, you're having all this time with us. Why are you lonely? And she's 17. And her really primary relationships, in her mind, yes, her parents, but her peers are just who she craves seeing, like we talked about before. And so I think to do everything we can to give kids the opportunity to connect safely, and obviously you want to pay attention to what's going on in your region, but masks, things like that. I mean, that we just give them opportunities to get together in person that they also have Zoom dates if that's what they need to do. Or, you know, we've been playing a lot of hide and seek on Zoom with our groups. And so I think helping them with that sense of making their connection with their peers a priority and helping come up with as much predictability as possible.
1: I love that. And I would say a second practice we would encourage families to adopt is is really our starting place with any kid or adolescent who's struggling with anxiety and depression. And it's an equation we call breathing and movement. And Mm -hmm. we believe in both strongly. There's an incredible amount of science behind it. And I love the way you introduce square breathing with anxious kids. Will you kind of walk us through that real quick?
0: Yes. So basically to help them breathe, our formula we do the most at Daystar is called square breathing. And so they would put their hand on their leg and they would literally draw a square. And with each line of the square, they'd breathe a different way and then pause in the corner for three seconds. So like, (gasps) I'm doing it really fast. (gasps) Do it a lot slower than that. But basically the cool thing about that is if they are back in school, they can do it sitting in their desk and no one will see them. They can do it anywhere they are. And 20 seconds of deep breathing resets the amygdala, and the amygdala is the problem when they're getting activated with anxiety.
1: I love that. And I retitle square breathing in my office and call it combat breathing.
0: (laughs) So much cooler.
1: It has a little better ring to it with fellas. And- I will, I don't know if I've ever told you this or not, I wear the Apple Watch and I will, when I'm teaching boys how to do it, have them watch my Apple Watch and they can see my heart rate coming down as that's happening as a way to kind of talk about all the ways that God's equipped us to be able to reset our brains and our bodies. And movement is the other way. And there's amazing science behind that one. And I would even bridge that first intentional practice that Sissy introduced around connection to this one of movement. And I would challenge parents listening, think about how you can fold those two together, how we can get a win with both, whether it's taking a family walk with the dog or continuing to, if you've been doing a lot of that. I love how many families experimented with family yoga for the first time we decided to try it. Our family on the front side, (laughs) and it was Not necessarily a successful experiment for me, but it provided so much comedy for my kids. (laughs) (laughs) Not successful in the sense that it was really hard for me. I need to do more of it, but a lot of comedy for my kids to watch me try. I talked to the family who they set up an obstacle course throughout their house. Every room had a different obstacle, and they all ran through it, like not just for the kids to do, but they all ran through it. And the mom and dad were showing me photos, and it literally looked like the set of America's Ninja Warrior. I mean, it was awesome. And so I think be creative in how you can approach movement that also builds connection. I think that one's important. And tell us about another idea.
0: The last one we would say, y'all, and we apologize, we always do this to you, but you know, it's what you get when you have counselors that are hosting a podcast. But When we were talking about an epidemic before the pandemic, one of the statistics I discovered was that if, as a parent, you have anxiety, your kids are seven times more likely to. And some of that is something that's going on in our brain called mirror neurons, where from their earliest stages, they're actually mirroring your words, your actions. They pick up on your emotion. If you're not even saying it, they pick up on your emotion, And so one of the most important things you can do in the midst of this pandemic is manage your own anxiety, because if they're anxious at all, they're going to pick up on yours and it's going to make theirs worse. And I'm sure seeing that, I feel like in the last few months, seeing folks here, I can tell when parents are really anxious. And I feel like I bring their kids up and the kids feel like they're struggling more than some of the other kids I'm seeing. And so do your own breathing, Create your own version of Ninja Warriors, whatever it's called. Get a golf cart, walk your dog, go eat tacos, any of the things that help you with self-care too. But we've got to be managing our own anxiety in the lives of the kids we love. That's one of the best things we can do, certainly.
1: The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, with shows kids love, and values parents trust. Check them out at podcast.gomeno.com. That's podcast.gominno.com.
0: It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.